When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brit- Britney Spears is pregnant. She is pregnant. Listen, she said three things, three very important things during that um, tr- like court thing that was leaked to all of us many, many months ago last uh, summer. Her like I testimony. Want, testimony. I want to drive my own car. I want to marry my boyfriend. I want to have a baby. And she's doing all that. Girlies, it's all happening. Mistakes. The universe knows that when it gives us something, it has to also take something. Yes. And the very same day Britney Spears announced she's pregnant, Tish Cyrus filed for divorce against Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. The American Royals are, it's a chaotic day for them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we're going to get some great songs from Noah about it, I bet. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet Miley's like, cool, I don't care. Yeah. But... Well, it's like their second divorce. They've already been oh. divorced. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. They broke up when Miley was like a teenager. I mean, I didn't even realize they were married. I don't know that much about her parents. Just Miley's the only one I really focus on. I love that we have successfully Miley pilled so many of our friends. Yeah. Uh, one Same. of our friends is talking to me about her new album um, at Carrie and how she has the best voice out there right now. Um our other friend has been talking about how great she is, who didn't really think that she was that great until the afters at your apartment. We've Miley pilled people so hard that I get texts from those people that I've Miley pilled that they have Miley pilled their friends. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a multi-level marketing scheme Miley Cyrus, for, just, on the pod. Uh, for just promoting Miley Cyrus. Miley, we love you. Miley, we fucking worship the ground you walk on. <laughs> You do so much for um, deeply annoying women. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> deeply annoying, crazy, crazy women. That are, are better off not in relationships yes. and just getting their bag and being creative. Yes. Um, yeah. She. I mean, like I said, she is the aspiring spinster that we all needed. Yes. She's the Joe March of our time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. So then who is Noah? Um... <laughs> I don't know. Noah is Amy. Yeah, Noah Noah's is Amy. A- and then Brandy is um, Meg. And then, um, is that her name, Meg? Yeah. And then <laughs> Trey Cyrus. <laughs> is Beth. Is Beth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Shake, 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 uh, a shake it. The choke called that song had on us when it came out. On, it's still, that song is timeless. That it is. song... I just also love like that he was like trying to be hardcore and like be accepted by the like punk community. No, that song was and like a like, Zoomies dressing room song. And he like it featured his little sister who was currently Hannah Montana in that music video. Oh my god. <laughs> Great song though. Oh my god. I yeah. Yeah, I yeah. miss that song. Yeah, I mean, I miss Metro Station. Come back, Trace Cyrus. Come back. We miss you. And then there they also have one other sibling. Like I would say that it, like okay, the hierarchy of fame goes 
Miley, Trace for a certain generation, Noah for a different generation. Like they're interchangeable depending Mm -hmm. on how old you are. And then Brandy is just kind of like, she's not famous, but if you're like keeping up with the Cyrus's, she's got a podcast, she's a DJ, she's visible, you know? But then I think his name is Brayden. They just have a rogue brother who just like, he released one song, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And then he just lives on a farm with his wife and kids now. That's so hot. And um, both Miley and Noah say that he's the most talented member of the family and he just doesn't care to like cash in on it. He's just like happy with his like farm animals and chilling. I really love that. I love people who don't want to cash in on their talent. That's a big part of Oh Beautiful World or Beautiful World Where Are You, um, which I'm reading, Sally Rooney. The One of the main characters keeps talking throughout this book about how she, angry she is that as an author, she also needs to have this public image and celebrity to sell her books. Ugh, yes. And she, she keeps going on. like It's her writing emails to her other friend and in all the emails she keeps talking about how it's like, you know, she's like, I want to write books. I don't care about being famous. And anyone who wants to be famous is mentally ill. And I hate that we live in a society <laughs> where we have to cash in on the things that we love because then you cash in on it and then the money is gone. And then you have to make, you have to find another talent to cash in on. And it's just like, it makes you hate things. Period. That's how I feel about stand up. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's it's, how I feel about this podcast. Yeah. It's why I, I, I don't hate the podcast, obviously, but I'm like. I wish that we could make like a living off of this podcast with just like a listenership that is just the listenership we have. Yeah. I, I started taking a step back from stand up for the reason that I was like, I started doing stand up because I love being on stage and I like enjoy making people laugh. But as soon as I, as soon as the hustle yeah. became the main component of it and I the was like, like publicity of it, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm good. The, yeah, I'm good. And I still feel that way. I mean, it's why I've like made my socials private in yeah. a way. I just like made all of my Instagram likes like on. You yes, can't see them same. anymore. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't want to. I'm never going to not be on social media probably. But so I all I can do is alter my relationship with it. And I don't want my relationship with social media and the things I love to be about how, you know, trying to get clout for access to other opportunities. It's like that's miserable. Yeah. It makes me miserable. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only like the the only reason I give a shit about social media at, at the level that I do is because like this podcast, my OnlyFans, stand up and my writing yeah. all like benefit from a social media presence yeah. and like that's bullshit that that's even the case. Yeah, well that's it's frustrating. It I, is frustrating. I'll, I'll eventually not be private on at some point, I'm sure, I mean, but yeah, like take your time, do what you need to do. For now, I'm like I need a long break. It's like yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, you you have the following for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay at 7,000 something followers probably forever. I'm never I mean, reaching 10K. I, it doesn't look like I'm budging from 14K anytime soon, but we'll I, see. I lost 30 followers and went private. I was like, it's time. Get out and stay out. Yeah. The doors are locked. <laughs> the, yeah, you're enacting the Australian lock-in laws. <laughs> After, <laughs> if you're not already in the club, you're not getting in, darling. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But those of you who are in can party till 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so for every, you know, everyone, I'm sure you've been listening to us talk about how we're going away for two weeks. Part of that two-week trip is that we're really not going to be on our phones because we're going to yeah. be in the woods in the mountains, 
um, somewhere in this great, beautiful country. Um, <laughs> and I, it's, you know, the the kind of like culture of where we're going on this trip is very like, don't be on your phones. People will be on their phones. I will not be the entire time because I have Boost Mobile. <laughs> and um, if I go into certain parts of Brooklyn, I lose service. <laughs> so, so I will The deep not, woods of Tennessee are not... Not going to happen. <laughs> and I cannot wait to not be on my phone yeah, same. for eight days. Yeah. Are we there longer than that? No, we're there for eight days. Eight days. And then the trip in total is 14 days. Yeah, but eight days. But we're going to definitely be on our phones on the other parts of the Absolutely. trip for sure. But eight days of not being on my phone. Yeah, I, I think I'm the only, I'm going to check my phone the day that we release whatever episode yes. is like um, supposed to come out just to make sure that Elisa is Absolutely. able to post it without any like bumps in the road. Totally. But um, other than that. Yeah, I'm going to try to not look at my phone. I kind of want to be able to like use my phone for like pictures and videos every oh, once in a while. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'm going to like be using my phone for I'll things just, that don't require internet. It'll be on airplane mode. Yeah, like I'll be using my phone to set an alarm cuz I want to yeah, like yeah, wake yeah. up early on certain days. Yeah, totally. But other than that, no phone, baby. Yeah. I love it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited. excited. Yeah, same. Um, I, I like how, I mean, truly the second it sounds like we've gotten back into a routine in New York. I know. We're like, so <laughs> we're going on a trip. That's so unlike us. <laughs> uh, I mean, just rest assured whenever May 1st is coming up, we will be going on a trip Um, because that's Beltane and we... <laughs> <laughs> we're in a cult so yeah. we have to go to the woods um, listen the way to keep up a routine is to go on many little trips yeah so, so you, you don't, don't grow tired of your routine of your routine yeah, that works for us it does work i mean yeah it does work for it us. does work for us it, i yeah. know it does well yeah i mean it in different ways it works and doesn't work yeah um but it is my preference it's on my, how i live it's my preference too i like to you know Retire as I live. Yes. I go on little mini retirements Same. every two months, basically. Yeah. And then during the summer, every two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I um, I can't wait. I was going to say that we didn't do as many trips this winter, but we literally both went no, to Mexico. No, we, like, we both went to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, yeah. Like, actually, we upped the ante because we left the literal country. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, never mind. Yeah. And <laughs> last year the summer was jump started by our Beltane trip. Know. So it's like about to get it's the whirlwind is beginning yeah, um a, on this trip, but it's um it's crazy. Can't wait. <laughs> oh my god, the episodes you're gonna get yeah. all when we I mean come we back. are I, I think that we should record um at least one of our episodes from the road. Yeah. No, I agree. I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah. Tonight, so. so, and we—that's what we did last year too—is we recorded um, yeah, one our of Dollywood our, epi- episode. our Dollywood episode. Yeah. It's it's not really even you know it's the it's the episode we recorded the day the morning before we went yeah. to Dollywood. Um. But so we we yeah. didn't even yet know the magic that we were about to encounter. We didn't, but we do this year. Ugh, can't wait to be back uh, in what Dollywood. If she's there. She goes sometimes. I know she does go sometimes. Oh my god, Dolly! Uh, <laughs> Dolly, could Dolly, you... we're wearing our cowboy boots and cowboy hats. Come, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'm like dangerously close to ordering um, a somewhat expensive like fringe outfit oh just god. to wear to Dollywood. I hear you. If I um, I'm yeah. I am glad that I am on the budget I'm on because otherwise I would do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm on a budget. I'm just ignoring it. 
I want to have uh, this budget so that I'm not worried about money while we're there. Yeah. For when I come back. Totally. Totally. And same, but I'm also, um, my impulse control gets worse when I'm like more depressed. I hear you. And I've been very depressed. You know, I'm on these new meds and like I can feel in some ways that they're working, but I definitely feel the increased suicidal thoughts that Mm -hmm. can happen um, from like Wellbutrin. Either that or I'm just naturally more suicidal than ever. Don't worry, everyone. I'm not I don't want to actually do it, Um, but I'm like just in it's more of a like I have a lot more thoughts about how fleeting and pointless life is. Mm -hmm. And so one of my um, go to distractions and like immediate dopamine hits has been online shopping. Yeah, I hear (laughs) you. But specifically for this trip. So not just for no reason, but I am also like you have plenty of shit like stop. That's why I'm starting to pack now because I'm like, I know that I have stuff that I can that I don't need to buy or it's working out for me in ways like I was going to spend money that I didn't have on one of my looks for this trip and exactly what I was looking for that I would have spent $80 I shouldn't spend. Charlene gave yes. me at Carrie. Yeah, you manifested that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You very the secreted that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, down to the exact color scheme yeah. that I'm trying to do. Iconic. Thank you, Char. Yeah. A goddess giving me my goddess look. Absolutely. I, I mean, it, it works out perfectly. <laughs> We are birthing that Venus. We are birthing that Venus. Yeah, everyone, that is my Beltane nighttime look because me and Anya are annoying and we're doing three. We're doing three Beltane looks. Three Beltane, Beltane Eve, Beltane Day, and Beltane Night. Mind you, we will not be the only ones. Oh, no. So. In fact, we probably have less looks than half the people Probably. There. Like, we're really playing, we're downplaying we the, the Beltane um, yeah. outfit changes. Yeah. But Beltane Eve, we're doing like demon slash devil slash like succubus vibes. Um, Beltane Day, during the day, we're doing like fairy angel, um, like, you know, flower child. Mm -hmm. And um, Beltane Night, we're doing gods and goddesses. And Nika's doing Birth of Venus. I'm doing um, Persephone. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know that. I can't wait. I almost named myself Persephone, y'all. Can you imagine? <laughs> that was number three on my list. Ew. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, what would we like call you Sephi. for short? Okay. I've you thought, thought about, about that. Well, I could have yeah. tweeted about it and I was like, what would people have called me? But there's already, there's, thank God, because not that I know these girls, but there's two different Ceph- trans girl Cephys in Brooklyn in this scene oh really yeah Yeah. actually i have heard that name yeah so i'm like that you know i I love that i'm the only nika (laughs) yeah totally i know um yeah i was sybil nika persephone damn yeah thank god would have been hot but i don't even know what sib like sibby what would people have called me for a nickname i don't know you just also you just are nika i know i know i know no when i said it i was like oh yeah that's me yeah no yeah um sybil famously because of downton abbey i'm first and (laughs) foremost a faggot um and god bless you for that (laughs) yeah speaking of faggot i got tranny tattooed in my arm To add to my collection of, of words of slurs, of slurs tattooed to your body. Yes, I famously have faggot tattooed where my hip meets my stomach and a heart. Um, I got tranny on my left arm, T 
teen idol. I just love putting words on my body. Yeah. The next one is going to be a butterfly. Okay. That's what I'm doing next. I don't know where. I think probably a tramp stamp. Next word should be cunt. Yes. Yes. I don't know where I'll put that. But on I, your ass cheek. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe on this hip leading down to my actual cunt. Mm, with like an arrow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love word tattoos. They're really fun. Yeah, I've like, I have a few words tattooed on me, but at some point, some tattoo artist said something about word tattoos that like for some reason made me stop getting them. And I People need talk to get- a lot of shit about word tattoos. I always, a lot of like people who are really like into tattoos always make fun of me for having word tattoos. I often have people, ta- you know, one of our friends recently was like, I love the tranny tattoo, but you should stop getting small tattoos in places that you're going to want to get like big pieces one day. And I'm like, I don't want to get big pieces one yeah, day. Yeah, shut up. Mind your business. Mind your business. And also, like, I know what I want. Yeah. And I like word tattoos. Yeah. Not a tattoo. If I were a tattoo snob, I wouldn't get tattoos, like, at a house party in Connecticut. <laughs> or, like, like, I've literally never got a single tattoo in a, in a, a studio. tattoo studio. Yeah. They've all been done by tattoo artists of varying degrees. Yeah. But they've all been in places. Very like, casual settings. Very casual, <laughs> weird, sometimes weird, the woods settings. So, Yeah. 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 I mean, tattoo snobs are interesting because it's like, listen, the whole thing that's dope about tattoos is that humans have been getting them for centuries Mm -hmm. for all kinds of different reasons. And all of them like tell a story. Yeah. And so which story they tell doesn't have to be the way that you would tell a story. Yeah. Like, tell your own fucking story, Also, bitch. I'm never going to be someone business. who drops, like, thousands of dollars on a tattoo or even, like, hundreds of dollars on a tattoo. So I'm never getting a big piece. Yeah. Like, every tattoo I've gotten besides the one on my wrist has been free. Interesting. I've never paid for a tattoo that I've gotten. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely a, a money spender with tattoos. I'm, and I love that. I'm going to probably spend a lot of money very soon on a tattoo, but I'm pretty like I'm not precious about tattoos. Obviously, if anyone's ever looked at my arm, it's like not like Mm -hmm. it was not planned the way that it's turned out so far. Um, So I don't. Yeah, I'm not precious about it, but I do appreciate a good work of art here and there. Um, So I'm I'm down to spend I'm down to you know, throw the cash at that. Yeah. But it's not because I like don't like word tattoos done under a swinging lamp, you know? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I, have, I have all the respect in the world for all of it. And I have several tattoos also that were in weird settings. Yeah. And for free. Um, but yeah, anyway, love your new tattoo. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. I appreciate it. Congrats on getting that tattoo in the <laughs> setting that you got it in. I know. Yeah. For anyone wondering, it was at a very, very, very expensive Airbnb, like this 80s house that had a separate wing with a sauna and an in-ground pool in it inside. In the house? In the house in um, Waterford, Connecticut, um, outside of New London, um, for my best friend Kat's birthday weekend. Great. Shall Great. we segment? Let's segment. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. My mistake is that I let my laundry go for way too long. Um, I did not do laundry for like, I want to say a month. Mm-hmm. And the amount of laundry, I had to I had to walk to and from the laundromat like three times to bring all my laundry to it. I've been there. 
And um, yeah, that you know, every time that's happened, it doesn't happen super often, but it has happened before in my life. Every time it happens, I'm like, never again. This yeah. is the last time I let it go this long. I'm not um, letting myself live like this ever again. Yeah. And, you know, it was it's the kind of laundry day where I'm wearing my Versace jeans with Crocs, yeah. you know, like I had no socks left. <laughs> So I wasn't going to and I didn't want to put on sandals because it's not that nice out yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like didn't want to put on my like sneakers without socks. So I just truly walked out of the house with designer denim and Crocs, (laughs) which is honestly um, girl boss of me in many ways. It's like Bushwick girl boss of me. I, I almost want to do like an outfit of the day on TikTok <laughs> for my like laundry day outfit of the day. And I have my camo Crocs and my Versace jeans couture. Yeah. Um, And my tank top that I've owned since I was 14 or not tank top crop, crop top, top that I've owned since I was 14. It's in fact the first crop top I ever owned. I love. And I still have it even though it's pilling and is truly gonna mm. fall apart any second now yeah because it's from h&m so it was not built to last mm-hmm. but i've really stretched it out um 12 years now yeah um anyway so that was my mistake but my keepsake is that i finally did it Hell yeah. <laughs> also my keepsake is that i um went uh i like did a full out on the club out on the town night like fully sober and it didn't impact my enjoyment of it at all um was at the club till 6 a.m and then at the afters till like well into the afternoon Mm -hmm. watching movies and like cooking breakfast with the besties yeah um and didn't need a single substance for that to still be my ideal saturday night so love to know that about myself but i can't wait for the next carry will i where i will be High as a kite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once I've done this little sobriety, month-long sobriety experiment, um, we're going to be back at it, besties. Don't you worry. Um, and then my hot take. Okay, so I saw this advertisement on my TikTok yesterday that made my blood boil. It was an advertisement that was like, like, girlies, you don't need to shave your armpits. But, like, if you're going to have hairy armpits, you better make sure they're better than your boyfriend's. And then it proceeds or it, it like, goes on to advertise a, like, scrub and two serum routine for your hairy armpits oh to make, God. like, your armpits, like, your armpit hair, like, the best it can be. And all the comments were like, oh, my God, I love this. Like, finally, a company that, like, doesn't think women need to shave their armpits. Like, this is feminism. And I was like, girlies, no, it's not. not. They're still advertising to you and you alone and not to men that you still need to do something with your body hair that men don't need to do. It is literally the exact same thing as the hair removal industry. Like, this is not empowerment. This is just still the pink tax in a new exciting way. Idiots so my hot take is my hot take is pretty much never be excited about any company ever. That's yeah. my hot take. Agreed. There are companies that we can appreciate for the jobs that they get done for us. Like the product serves the purpose it's supposed to serve and it makes our life easier or whatever. But like standing a company is never the the option. No. And like, especially not for like political 
like feminist empowerment because it almost pretty much every company that like advertises in a, some feminist way is still commodifying the fact that like women have to spend more money on everything. Yeah. As like the feminist choice. Yeah. It's still capitalism yep. and it's still targeted advertisement at people's like quote unquote empowerment. And I'm over it. Over it. Over it. Time's up. <laughs> Time is up. Me too. I'm over it. That's why <laughs> time's up. Um, okay. My mistake. I don't even know how much of a mistake this is, but I, since going to the hospital in last September, I have been having pretty frequent panic attacks. I had panic attacks every once in a while as a kid, but it was never something that affected my life the way it does now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's genetic. My mom had panic attacks all throughout my life and hasn't in a few years, but it was like a real disorder. And I think that I now have a panic disorder, which I'm like, mm, great. Add that to the list of my disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so when we were at Carrie, I was hanging out and I did a very, um, I allegedly did a very fat bump of ketamine. <laughs> allegedly. Not realizing how big it was because it was like dark and I was already high and I was like fumbling for my keys, like sitting on the couch. And I, as I did it, I was like, I thought to myself, like, I can't really see how big big this is but it was big enough that it put me into a pretty deep k-hole and then while as I like entered the k-hole I felt like a pain in my chest that was probably just like my tit being sore or like my breastbone hurting like my nothing that was like to do with my heart but I didn't know that in that moment and I had like truly the scariest panic attack I've had since I've started having regular panic attacks. Like I thought that I was dying. Um, And then I was like, thought that I was like dying and was freaking out and was like, I think that I'm like having a heart attack right now. And then obviously that wasn't the case. And I was like, I started, my mom told me because I told her that I've been having these panic attacks and asked for advice and this happened when I was in Mexico where I thought that I was having the heart problem again while I was having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, well, something that you should do is that like when that happens, just say to yourself like, listen, this probably isn't happening, but even if it is happening, like what can I do about it right now? It's already happening. And so I just started saying that. I was like, listen, girl, like you're probably not dying right now, but even if you are, like what do you want to do about that? Because... <laughs> you're at the club. So like, what's your game plan? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that kind of talked me off the ledge, but then I was still freaking out and I eventually got through it. Like one of our friends saw me kind of panicking by the bar and came and stood with me. And I was like, go back to the dance floor. Like, I don't want you to be in the position of taking care of me at the club right now. Just go do your thing. So they did. And then I found our like best friends. And because I texted them found them and they, you know, hugged me through it while I came out of it. Um, But the mistake aspect is just like, I was so embarrassed by it. And I like, it put me in like a spiral for like an hour and a half Mm. at Carrie where I was like, oh no, like I'm that girl again. Like this just keeps happening where I'm that girl. Like I'm the girl who was like throwing up at, 
Somos, and then I was the girl who was throwing up at your birthday party, and now I'm the girl who was having a panic attack at the club. And then it didn't last for long, because then I was like, nobody cares. Like, nobody cares that I threw up in Somos, and nobody cares that I threw up at the house party, and nobody cares that I had a panic attack tonight, because somebody is probably geeing out on the dance floor right now, and, like, somebody's probably throwing up in the back. Like, no one gives a shit, unless, like, unless you're really putting... When I entered Carrie on Saturday, Carrie Nation, um, there was a girl that was just vomiting into the trash can (laughs) in front of the, like, where you pay to get in. (laughs) That's funny. And um, Elisa, the door girl, and also friend of the pod, (laughs) was, like, just, like, um, can someone please like hold her hair back? Aww. Like, and like somebody give me her wallet. Like, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna just look for her coat check <laughs> ticket. And like, Elisa was like going through her wallet. Like, we gotta get her in a car like soon. And it was just like so funny that like nobody was like judging her. They yeah. were just like, what's the game plan to get this girl out of the club right now and yeah. like home? Yeah. Um, but it was funny to like be entering the party <laughs> with a yeah. girl just puking her little brains out into the trash can. Yeah. Yeah, no one cares. Um, that So that was, like, nice to realize. But it just... It was very scary. I, like, need to go get myself medicated for anxiety um, because these panic attacks are not going to go away. What was really funny, though, is that um, one of our friends showed up and I saw her and she was like, how are you? And I was like, I'm just coming out of this K-hole and panic attack. So I'm like kind of on the fritz, but I'll be fine in about 10 minutes. And she was like, oh, well, do you want these like anti, like these like natural anti-anxiety pills that I have on me? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. And she was like, "Great, yeah, I found them at um, Anya's party. Like, someone oh, left that you that my mom bought me. Yeah. She was like, somebody left them out, and I was like, oh, those are mine. <laughs> and I was like, that's so funny that in this moment my mom is coming through to help because I <laughs> was almost called my mom at the club. I was like, I need to call someone right now. Were and they literally your pills? Like, she took it from the party. She took it from the bottle because I oh, left them oh, out oh, and had oh, been oh, telling oh, people oh. like, take these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had given them to her when she was coming down from Molly, and I was like, take as many as you want. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, they were just in her bag. Oh. Um, and I was like that, and she was like, oh wow, like look at your mom's magic coming through. Um, which That's they beautiful. did help because then for the rest of the night I was fine because I was like, let's just go dance and chill. Um, my keepsake though. I guess also would be part of Saturday. I was like really depressed or I mean, I'm still depressed, but I was like very depressed. Not this weekend, but last weekend, last time we were recorded um, and was feeling like I needed a break from. Go ahead. Like I needed a break from our social life and from our friends and not because I didn't want to be around our friends, but because I was feeling really disconnected from everyone. And I was like beginning to. I could like feel myself getting to a place of like beginning to not be my best self in social situations if I kept going out the way that I was. And so I took like a little break this week, I would say. And then I went out to carry and the whole night was amazing. I felt very happy all night besides that one snafu and just found myself feeling very connected to everyone. And there was this like moment where I was dancing and it was me and Char and two other trans girls. And I was like, I love this so much that like this is my life and all I needed was like less than a 24 hour break hanging out somewhere else to remember how much I love my life and my friends. So that was nice. Mm -hmm. I love our life. Um, And my hot take is that I don't even know why this needs to be said, but 
if people are not tweeting about something, it's not that they don't care. I saw someone that I really like and respect tweet today. So I don't want to like pile on them. But I saw them tweet about how like none of their cis friends have been tweeting about all of like the anti like trans bills that are coming out and how she's only seen them tweet about the don't case don't say gay bill and I can imagine being frustrated by that I'm like lucky that none of my friends are really tweeting about either (laughs) but I just think it's like really weird when any like marginalized group of people but I'll keep it to trans people because that's who I am um and that's what this was about like link perceived like support from their cis friends of like trans rights and trans lives and trans safety to how much they're tweeting or like posting on Instagram about these things. It just like feels weird. I'm like, I don't, I don't need, I guess I'm just lucky that like, I know that my cis friends, my cis queer friends love and are there for me and support me and support the trans people in their lives because they show that through their actions. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, it's like, I don't, I think people need to like free themselves from that way of We don't all need to give like a public statement on every issue. And it's not helpful anyway, because it's like you, it's like people, people tweeting in like Chicago or New York City about their like hatred or not their hatred, but about, you know, their support for trans people and their like distaste for transphobes is not doing anything for someone in Alabama or someone in Idaho or someone in Utah or someone in Texas, like where all these bills are being passed. So it's like, who's that for anyway? And also it's like all of these bills that are being passed. I mean, listen, I'm sure in like a month they're going to start passing bills that are fucking over trans adults. But like this person's a trans adult and I'm a trans adult. All these bills are affecting trans youth anyway. So it's like, it does nothing for me for anyone to be up in arms online and if that I'm friends with to be tweeting about these bills because it doesn't make me feel like these bills don't these bills are not directly impacting my life in any way other than making me feel sad for trans kids and trans teenagers and making me a little bit paranoid about like where What's my next? rights are heading. Yeah. But also not even because it's like I live in New York and so I don't really see anything happening in New York anytime soon. So It's like, I don't really, I don't even think that that would make me feel any better if people were tweeting about any, you know, these bills. It's just, I don't really get it. Well, I guess there's something to be said about like, just because you and I live in like a little bit of a bubble and echo chamber, a lot of people's cis friends especially have like other cis friends that are just like not knowledgeable about any of this and like don't necessarily know what a like crisis it actually is yeah so like I do see an argument for like urging your like the friends of yours that have access to other people that like could care but don't care yet like encouraging them to like care um which I think is more the argument than it is like because it to make anybody feel better well, no, I mean, their argument was that it like make they feel not supported as a trans person, that their cis friends are not talking about this. Right. Also, I like this person hangs out with queer cis people. So it's like your queer cis friends do care yeah. about trans people. I've seen like we've been in similar spaces. Yeah. We're like kind of in the same subculture. So I get it to an extent. I just think like, I don't know. I see these tweets all the time from trans people and it's weird. I'm like, 
you know, it happened last month when one of these bills were passed where trans people were like, none of my cis friends checked in on me this week. And it's like, you're like a 28 year old, not this person, but like, I'm like, for this person that was tweeting last month, I'm like, you're like a 28 year old trans woman. Like, why do your cis friends need to check in on you about a bill that was just passed banning 14 year olds from getting trans affirming health care? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it's a little bit like main character syndrome to me sometimes. And I think that, I don't, I don't know. I just, I see both sides. I get it. I think cis people should obviously care about this shit, but. Yeah, I mean, the majority of the like real work that cis people can do is like talking to their families about these yeah, things. It's like the outreach is probably not going to happen via tweet Twitter. or um, infographic. Yeah, or like giving people money. Like go donate, go donate to organizations or really directly to trans people. Mm-hmm. So, and like my friends aren't like retweeting shit on Twitter or the people who I know are like throwing hundreds of dollars at like GoFundMes when like they pop up if mm-hmm. they have the means to do so. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I I don't, I'm not, I think this person is a really, really cool person. So I don't, I'm not even like coming for them. It's just, I saw that and that made me think of this because it's such like a, it's a statement that I constantly see reverberating through trans Twitter. Um and it often is from other white trans people. I don't ever really see... I ne- Honestly, I never see black trans people tweeting that way. It's always white trans women. Mm. So I think there's something to be said there that I'll unpack later with myself. <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't really... Again, it feels... I think because it comes from white trans people all the time, it does feel like main character syndrome. Mm. A little bit. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. I mean, there is kind of regardless of like trans identity white marginalized people of any kind like to really cling on to like their marginalization yeah categories that they do have um there's been a lot of mess on trans twitter this week from white trans girls and i've just been like everyone kind of needs to calm down and take a step back maybe log off twitter for a minute don't tweet about trans stuff um i don't know like chill out yeah i mean twitter isn't necessarily the front lines of this fight. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's definitely, um, at a boiling point. Twitter is at the moment. Yeah. Like, I'm really hoping that it's going to die soon. The way like Facebook has and MySpace did. Ugh, yeah. What do we think the fuck up of the week is? Fuck up of the week. Have you been following the election in France? No, not really. Um, well, so, uh, it was Macron, who's the current, or Macaroon, whatever the fuck his last name is, <laughs> the like Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden of France, who's currently the president. It was him up against a leftist candidate, up against a right wing candidate, and the right wing candidate, it's looking like she's going to win. There's a second round of the election that has to happen, um, but pretty scary. She's like Trump. Like, as bad as Trump. Yeah. I've been following her shit for a few years. Um, Le Pen is her name, last name. Um, And the leftist candidate came really, really, really close, but is definitely not going to make it. And I'm just wondering how much that vote was split by a fucking moderate. Mm. You know, they always, people always say that it's like leftists splitting the vote. And I'm like, it's actually always the moderate. Yeah. That is splitting the vote. (laughs) And then we get our right winger. And then we blame the leftist candidate. Yeah. But interesting. <laughs> Love that. The Trumpification of European politics has been very interesting to me because like Europeans have been like, 
gawking and like mm-hmm. laughing at America and it's like oh it's coming for you which is besties. so funny because it came for them before it came for us with Brexit yeah they love to leave that out I'm like y'all <laughs> had Brexit a year and a half before we let's had just Trump. all agree that like white people are not great at running countries um because that's the commonality here <laughs> yeah I saw a tweet that was like Europe Europe got control of the world yes. and ruined it in 500 years. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. Yeah. 500 years. Took 500 years to ruin a however billions years old planet. That's what hustle culture brought us. That's that what is the grind what, brought us. That's what the girl, bo- the girl bossification of the planet. <laughs> the girl bossification of um, colonizing the planet and yeah. capitalizing on human suffering and exploitation. I should like be buy a stream right now like braiding my hair and collecting Ugh, rocks yeah. that I'm putting into a basket that I'm not I should be singing on a cliff into the ocean and luring sailors to um I don't know what do they do eat them yeah yeah that's what yeah. I should be doing yeah I should be swan diving off of a cliff into the water right now like Pocahontas and the Disney <laughs> Disney Pocahontas that those cliffs that famously exist in Flatlands, Virginia. <laughs> it's one of my favorite reviews of that movie. Yeah, the like, scathing review from this indigenous movie critic who was like, by the way, when did Virginia get cliffs? And when did indigenous people start being able to climb up trees like spider monkeys? Also, when did we, when did anyone, when has anyone been able to just like pick up a cub in front of the mother bear Without getting absolutely slaughtered on site. Yeah. Who is going to volunteer to be my... Let me have someone who weighs less than me because I'm weak. Be my pu- my pug. <laughs> my um, baby cub when I sing Colors of the Wind on our trip. Uh, you know? I'll find someone. The This is an open call. <laughs> send, yeah, I'm going to send a group text. <laughs> hey, if everyone could stop eating. Who, um, who wants to be scooped up for <laughs> my um, internal music video? <laughs> Listener mistakes. So let's do a listener mistake. Okay. Hi, besties. Love the pod. So the year is 2018, and long story short, me and my toxic narcissist girlfriend break up, and I kick her out of our shared apartment. So I have to somehow find $1,500 more than usual just to cover rent for that month. Yikes. Yeah, I'm working with an agency as a full service sex worker at the time and barely covering rent on a good month. I get offered a date with a client that I've worked with in the past who I don't like because he's a super MAGA misogynist. And because he's really into tit fucking and coming on my face, which is pretty inconvenient and degrading just in general. I take the date because I really need the money, but two hours before start, but two hours before I start slamming wine because I just cannot deal with this obnoxious misogynistic John sober. I go to his place completely blackout and complete the service, but because I am so fucked up, I forget to grab the envelope of cash no! off of the nightstand. Oh no. So next morning I wake up hungover as fuck to a bunch of texts from my agency about their cut. So basically, due to my fuck up, I ended up having to pay $250 to let this disgusting client titty fuck me. Oh, my God. That's like traumatic. Oh, my God. Moral of the story. Stay sober if you need to remember to collect money and never let an insurrectionist titty fuck you because it's just not worth it. 
Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Man. Bestie. Oh. That has to be, I think that is um, the, out of all the listener mistakes, the one that hurts me. That's like a Hall of Fame. The most. That is a Hall of Fame mistake. Oh, wow. There are so many layers oh. to how upsetting that is oh my god i'm so sorry that that happened that's like truly terrible (laughs) oh though yeah i'm (laughs) anyone who thinks sex work is not real work listen to that story yeah just over and over and over (laughs) over and over and over over. (laughs) tell me that that isn't um uh, that isn't right like, back in or you fought we follow each other on twitter i think your name is familiar so dm me because i want to know more fo- like i follow up questions like did you reach out to him about yeah did the you envelope? try to get it and like he just was an asshole and just didn't respond that's really the only follow-up question i have actually i don't have multiple yeah i need to know about that yeah because like wouldn't that make him just like unable to go through this agency ever again yeah if he like never paid yeah, like or did it, you just not want to tell the agency that that had happened because mm, you didn't want to get fired from the agency? Interesting. But I'm wondering also, if you still reached out to him, or maybe not because then he could have complained to the eight. You know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Damn. D- DM us. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you for that radical vulnerability. <laughs> thank you for that radical honesty. Our hearts go out to you. Yeah. Um, And I hope that you've... You're in a very different financial position now. Same. All right. Well, may you be blessed with abundance. May you be blessed with abundance and not an abundance of, um, come on your tits from an insurrectionist. Come on your tits from an insurrectionist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. More sex work related, um, mistakes. Yes. I feel like we're on call or daddy or something. I know. I mean, it just, it is like, I just love knowing that um, my mistake is sex work. No, <laughs> yeah, the, the real mistake here is that you ever lowered yourself to that. My JK, best mistake was obviously. letting Anya brainwash Don't me. Don't you fucking dare <laughs> into even going go on OnlyFans during the pandemic. Oh my god, that's that. That's when I should have known that she was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That she's a real girl boss. Um, yeah, if me and Anya and we won't because all murder suicide is first, um, allegedly. If we ever stop <laughs> being friends, that would that I'll just um I'll pivot hard to being a swerf. <laughs> See that, that like jokes like that make me worried because you tell <laughs> stories about like you actually being very vindictive to old <gasps> friends, and I'm like, is Nika going to no. hardcore ruin my life? No, I haven't. If said, we stop being friends, I haven't been. No, I have been vindictive and ruined the lives of like exes, <laughs> boys. Yeah, but like at this point, I feel not like I've, I've earned the the same status. The fact that we have not fought in the two and a half years that we have but it's been that long right yeah yeah we're good we're good (laughs) I'm not actually worried but I'm just like you know it's in in all the different possibilities no I wouldn't because I see how you handle conflict and you're too level-headed all of my friends have been (laughs) as equally insane as I am so it's been fun to be vindictive because it's usually been a game of who can one up the other yeah, I know. Whenever people try to be vindictive with me, it's really unsatisfying yeah. because I'm like, I don't take the bait and I just am like, let's talk this out. And they yeah. hate that. No, I would probably just give you the treatment that I gave the bestie that I had the falling out with. That's not a falling out with anymore. I would just like be cold and aloof and ignore you and like talk shit. 
All right, let's stop even talking about this hypothetical. I'm stressing Anya out. <laughs> I'm upset. Anya's flushed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hurting my feelings, even though I'm the one that brought it up. Actually, you're the one that brought it up, but I expanded on it. Um, yeah, I brought it up as a joke. You made it a hypothetical. <laughs> well, you know, it's important to talk about these things. It's important to talk about our fears. Yeah, I was being vulnerable. And I appreciate on that. On the pod. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, if we had a falling out, it would be much like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. We'd get over it in like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> God, you're being so bossy right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Where's Michelle? Or where's Romy? Oh, we just had a really big falling out like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would we would like have a falling out like at Carrie Nation. And <laughs> yeah. like by the end of Carrie Nation, we'd be stronger than ever. Yeah. That's why that party is eight hours long. <laughs> <It's> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> to just to be able to resolve any conflict by the time the party is over. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of a lot of dance floor mediation happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of conflict resolution happens um in like the dark corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And like we're not even That's why kidding. there's so many couches. <laughs> yeah, all the couches are um, actually like therapy couches. <laughs> yeah. They're couples therapy couches. <laughs> for besties and exes and ex besties alike. Yeah. Um <laughs> absolutely. The truth that is actually in that is no, so it's funny. No, so true. <laughs> it really is. Deep dive. Deep dive. I like referenced this, but I didn't actually talk about it itself when I like broke the spirit of a rule in an open relationship I was in no like I didn't break the actual rule but I broke the spirit of the rule and no. like you know I instead of just like listening okay I'll get I'll, I'll do it okay so I was in an open relationship when I the last serious relationship I was in um and my first relationship when I moved to New York City we were immediately open or like you know within the first month we opened it because we were like cool alternative New Yorkers and also because I just by then I knew that monogamy wasn't for me and I communicated that and he was down but it was very clear pretty early on that um we both were not like as well practiced in non-monogamy and we definitely had like some jealousies and hang-ups and you know, the classic. Anyone who's mm-hmm. even dabbled in non-monogamy knows that it, it's hard to, like, deprogram your mind mm-hmm. from um, the very natural knee-jerk reactions of jealousy and possessiveness and wanting to be picked and be, um, you know, ranked higher than other people, all that. And to be clear, we weren't dating other people. We were just hooking up with other people. And one of our rules... Um, was to not hook up with other New York City comedians. And I did talk, I talked about this, like I referenced this in another deep dive I did about this relationship, but I didn't talk specifically about what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So we were both comedians. We had a rule to not hook up with other New York City comedians. Um, just cause that's like our community and social circle. And it was like too hard for us to like, have to 
be around and socialize with the people that we might be hooking up with, which now I kind of, I do think it's that it's important to have boundaries and like have rules, um, when you're in an open relationship. But I do think that like, if part of your rules are around kind of, um, your own insecurities rather than you like interrogating and tackling those insecurities, Mm -hmm. you're probably not in like the best mental and emotional place to be as open as you're being in the first place. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It does. So like, I feel like these boundaries were not so much about being like the the boundary of not hooking up with other other specifically New York city comedians um, was not so much about like for the sake of not being too messy or like, not um shitting where we eat it was mm-hmm. like very much so specifically because we were both insecure at the at the thought of it mm-hmm. and i do think that like insecurity is natural and it's going to come up in non-monogamous situations but when it is the um motivation for the rules and boundaries within your non-monogamy maybe it's time to to like tackle mm-hmm. the whole thing you know what i mean yeah so Um, and then we, we honestly didn't do a lot of check-ins about where we were. I feel like boundaries and, um, feelings around open relationships are something that's kind of always changing and moving. And, um, it's a fluid thing that the communication should be always open about. And we didn't really do that. We had a rule that we had to like tell each other when we Mm -hmm. hooked up with someone else. Um, so we would like tell each other but we never really talked about it and I don't know there were just like a lot of different dominoes being set up for like as soon as one eventually fell over it was like Mm -hmm. not a great thing so I ended up hooking up with a comedian that um technically lives in New York City but is like a very famous comedian Mm -hmm. that like didn't interact with us socially was never like on the same shows or um in the same social settings Mm -hmm. as us. And when I told my ex about it, um, he was very upset, which is totally fine. But like, he kind of just like kept citing the reason of him being upset as because this is a New York comedian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, the reason we made this rule, like the way, the reason we stated we made this rule Mm -hmm. is because we didn't want to like, muddy our social waters and like we do not socialize with this person Mm -hmm. so I did break I I like broke the technical on paper rule but I didn't break the spirit of the rule in my opinion um but my mistake was like obviously that wasn't the issue at hand Mm -hmm. the issue (laughs) was that this clearly triggered his insecurity Mm -hmm. and triggered like his um like any discomfort around like if this were a like healthy communicative open relationship I feel like we would have probably it wouldn't have been a fight it would have been like just a oh that like sort of feels like you broke that rule can we maybe talk about like that not happening again in the future or like you know me like I would probably be like way more um, open to receiving 
his discomfort with it. Yeah. But I instead was very defensive and he was very offensive and it kind of turned into a us like me versus you scenario yeah. rather than us versus the con like us versus the conflict. The conflict. Yeah. Um, and it was all kind of out of pride and out of on my end. I can't yeah. speak for him, but on my end, it was like, I didn't want to admit that I had done something wrong because I like, you know, this is an open relationship and like, I'm not a cheater. And it feels like I was being accused of like cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's one of the key, one of the key components of an open relationship and it being successful is being open to part of the open and the open relationship is being open to your partner's feelings and open to boundaries changing, even if it's happening in real time and also being open to like hearing that what you did hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And I sort of felt like, you know, like the, like that's the crux of it. The main mistake is I felt like I could argue my way out of, his feelings not being hurt anymore. Yeah. And like, it doesn't even really matter what the logistics are or if I could like prove in court that I didn't really break the rule or whatever. Like, even if a jury sided with me, the person that I love is upset. And that's like the problem at hand that I should have been more, um, empathetic toward, uh, empathetic to, and more like open to resolving yeah um the issue rather than winning the issue and I think that was a pivotal mistake for me to make because it has really informed how I've approached communication and polyamory and non-monogamy ever since then yeah um because yeah you know you have to kind of make these mistakes to internalize the lessons of them I think yeah but yeah my bad also, low-key brag that I hooked up with a very famous comedian. I love that brag. <laughs> um. Also, just on the topic of um, just like evolving and uh, self-improvement and all of that, that same famous comedian recently slid into my DMs and I ignored him because I no longer crave validation yeah. from powerful or famous or hot people. Hell yeah. Um, and that's, that. that's on progress bitch well much i mean you know much like you no longer um craving validation from famous people or even fame really that's kind of like miss amanda Bynes. oh my gosh um, who we're talking about this week on this week's episode of best mistakes and don't worry everyone we're not talking about her mental health struggles being a mistake because that's not a mistake but we are talking about her and what may have led to these mental health struggles that she dealt with in the mid 2000s and the 2010s um we're specifically touching upon dan schneider and the role that he played at nickelodeon when he was their years-long producer and his very weird and inappropriate relationship with amanda Bynes. we're gonna get into all of it best mistake Obviously, if you're a millennial, you remember Amanda Bynes when she was on Nickelodeon, when she was the star of that network. We all loved Amanda Bynes. She was the comedic. I think she is the comedic voice of our generation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a little bit of backstory on her. Um, She from when she was born, she people say that she was a natural performer from um, as soon as she could speak. Um, She was born in Thousand Oaks, California, 
And at 10 years old, she went to a camp called the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp in Los Angeles, um, where she was scouted by a Nickelodeon producer. Um, And so this immediately led to her debuting on Nickelodeon. She had been in a few commercials um, prior to that, but nothing big. And this led to her debut on the sketch show All That, which we all remember watching. It was mm-hmm. like the kids' version of Saturday Night Live, um, which Amanda Bynes and said... And to be honest, even better. Even better. And Amanda Bynes said um, in her Paper Mag interview in 2008, or 2008, in 2018 rather, that Saturday Night Live was the show that made her want to be on TV. She remembers... Um, being on vacation with her parents and making her mom stay in the hotel room all weekend so that they could watch episodes of Saturday Night Live. Um, And so this was a huge deal for Amanda. Good for her for um, making an even better show than Saturday Night Live. Yeah. She really really did that. She did that. The Amanda show, infinitely funnier than Saturday Night Live. Absolutely. To this day. To this day. Which, so... Three years later, um, in 1999, she gets The Amanda Show. And that runs from 1999 to to 2002. And she played iconic characters such as Judge Trudy, um, which was bringing the dancing lobsters at the end of every episode. Um, Amber, who was the popular girl in the girls' room in the bathroom. the girls' room. (laughs) Uh, Moody, Moody's Point, which was supposed to be a uh, spoof on Dawson's Creek um, with her mom, who she's always talking to, and her mom (laughs) is missing in a hot air balloon. Um... Playing Courtney, the Maha girl, who Maha. Maha, who had the crazy teeth that kind of looked like dentures. <laughs> um, and a lot of the people that worked with her adults. Also her own biggest fan. Yes. Amanda, yes. please. Yes, yes, yes. Amandaplease.com. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> people in the industry compared her to Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett. They said that she was the young version of both of them um, for her slapstick comedy and also for her work ethic. Uh, the A lot of the adults that were on The Amanda Show and all that um, specifically remember her as being somebody that was very professional and fun to work with. Um, and then in the early 2000s, 2002, Which, let's also stop valuing professionalism and children. We're going to get into it, but Great. I agree. <laughs> um, absolutely. But this is what was said. Um, so in the early 2000s, she made her transition into movie roles. She starred in 2002 in Big Fat Liar, which was an iconic movie with Frankie Muniz yes. and Paul Giamatti. Um, I remember ordering that four times in a row, um, on, on demand when my cousins were babysitting me and I got into a lot of trouble, but I couldn't stop watching it. What a girl wants in 2003 when she was 17, which iconic, iconic movie. Um, everyone needs to watch that if they haven't. I was obsessed with that movie. Yeah. Um, and she continued on to being a comedic star in the mid 2000s. She starred in the hit movie. As we all remember, she's the man. Best for movie of all time. Best movie of all time. And needs to be stated that she is the reason that Channing Tatum has his career. Yeah. Um, she also says in this paper magazine interview, I totally fought for Channing to get cast in that movie because he wasn't famous yet. He'd just done a Mountain Dew commercial and I was like, this guy's a star. Every girl will love him. But the producers were like, he's so much older than all of you. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Trust me. It's true. And it was true. But this is where like some of her... Um, 
she says some of her like insecurities and maybe mental health issues, um, specifically with like dysphoric feelings about her body began to take hold. She said that the movie wasn't that the movie after it wrapped was an interesting experience. Um, she said when the movie came out and I saw it, I went into a deep depression for four to six months because I didn't like how I looked when I was a boy. She pauses and says, I've never told anyone that. Seeing herself with short hair and sideburns, she says, was a super strange, not of body experience. And it really put me into a funk. Um, but she continued making movies. She was in Sydney White in 2007, which is honestly another iconic movie, but it got panned by critics. But like, it's so funny. Then she was in Hairspray, which she is, you know, Nikki Blonsky is like the undisputed star of that movie. It launched her career. She got a Golden Globe. Kind of launched and ended her career because she was <laughs> never really in anything else again. Um, but Amanda Bynes was also considered the second star of that movie. Um, and she says that it was one of her favorite roles that she was ever in. She was super excited to be in a musical. She had the time of her life. Um and this is when shit starts getting kind of out of control for her. She says that around the time of hairspray, she remembers reading an article in a magazine that called Adderall the new skinny pill. And they were talking about how women were making were taking it to stay thin. And she says, I was like, well, I have to get my hands on that. And like many fellow millennials experimenting with Adderall at the time and Honestly, even still, it's like I think very common for teenagers and college age people to experiment with Adderall. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. she was able to get herself a prescription after she went to a psychiatrist and faked symptoms of ADD. Um, And so that started her addiction, which she says that she had an addiction. This is not me saying that she that started her addiction with Adderall. Um, A few months later, she started working on Easy A, which came out in 2010 um, and a f- while she was working on EZA, she was also working on Hall Pass, which was going to be her first foray into adult movies. She was supposed to play a babysitter in that movie who gets the main character to cheat on his wife by fucking her. Um, and that is where the like first reports in the media started coming up that suddenly her like good girl image was crumbling and she was becoming hard to work with and weird to work with. Um, She ended up walking away from Hall Pass and I'm going to get into what happened on the set later. Um, But she said that after walking away from Hall Pass, she remembers attending a screening of her last film, Easy A. And she says, "Um, I had a different reaction than everyone else to the movie. Um, She said, I literally couldn't stand my appearance in that movie and I didn't like my performance. I was absolutely convinced that I had to stop acting after seeing it. I was high on marijuana when I saw that, but for some reason, it really started to affect me. I don't know if it was a drug-induced psychosis or what, but it it affected my brain in a different way than it affects other people. It absolutely changed my perception of things. Um, And I want to say that, so Amanda ended up being diagnosed um, a few years later with being bipolar and, you know, I, I remember when she did this interview and people 
were criticizing her and were trying to act as though she was lying and she must have been addicted to cocaine or something else because weed doesn't do that to people. But weed does cause psychosis, mm-hmm. especially if you have bipolar it disorder. Does, yeah. Um, and she to this day says that weed, her addiction to weed is what fucked her up like for real mm-hmm. and that that caused psychosis. So I just want to throw that out there because I don't think she's lying about anything. She says that she did Molly a few times and she did Coke three times, but it never got her high and that it was Adderall and weed that ruined, which that she feels ruined her career and her perception of things. Um, so in 2010, Amanda announced via Twitter that she was retiring from acting. Um, she said that she saw Easy A um, and I was convinced that I should never be on camera again and I officially retired on Twitter, which was, you know, also stupid. If I was going to retire the right way, I should have done it in a press statement, but I did it on Twitter. So she retired on Twitter in 2010 and naturally she'd been working from when she was 10 years old and now she's not working anymore. And she is, what, 27 at this point? So that's a pretty long time. And she says in this Paper Mag interview that after retiring from acting, she found herself feeling really adrift. Um, She quit what had basically been up until that point a lifelong pursuit. And she said that I had no purpose in life. I'd been working my whole life and now I was doing nothing. I had a lot of time on my hands and I would wake and bake and literally be stoned all day. Um, Around that time, she said that I started hanging out with a seedier crowd and I isolated a lot. I got really into my drug usage and it became a really dark, sad world for me. Um, She sums up her life back then as one in which she was just stuck at home, getting high, watching TV and tweeting. She's uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. That's like kind of the life to be honest, (laughs) but also sounds like she was experiencing like classic symptoms of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, because we're so obsessed with productivity, I I understand that being like a time that she looks back on and like feels bad about and regrets. But it's like also maybe necessary rest she was taking after working like a fucking workhorse yeah. since she was like 12 years old. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, uh, maybe she should have rested in a healthier way. And yeah, like because not this was enabled. also when she started. No, I, we, I understand yeah. that. But what I mean is just like to yeah. to regret and feel bad about like that. She was time just like, off. yes. Yeah, totally. Um, so she goes she she goes on to say that um, I'm really ashamed and embarrassed with the things I said. I can't turn back time, which we all remember the tweets that she's talking about. Um, I want, you know, some of them were funny. I want Drake to murder my vagina. Some of them were truly heinous, um, which we're not going to repeat. We're not going to repeat. She tweeted about Rihanna, some some crazy shit. Um, But again, clearly like symptoms of some kind of burnout related mental health related breakdown that she was having exasperated by drug use, et cetera, and not having a support system. Um, She goes on to say, I'm so sorry to whoever I hurt and whoever I lied about because it truly eats away at me. It makes me feel so horrible and sick to my stomach and sad. Everything I worked my whole life to achieve, I kind of ruined it all through Twitter. But she adds, it's definitely not Twitter's fault. It's my own fault. Um, And she goes on to say in that interview that, you know, she had a harrowing couple of years. Um, she ended up being put into a temporary conservatorship filed by her mother, Lynn. <laughs> God, Why that name is Lynn? cursed. Um, 
And it then became a uh, permanent conservatorship, which ended a few weeks ago after nine years. Um, And I will get into that later as well. Um, But, you know, she very much would relate, I think, to the way that we talk about mistakes because she goes on to end that interview saying um, that as a Southern California kid, her favorite band growing up was the group... uh, uh, Oh, sorry, it was the skatewear line, No Fear. Um, And I guess that like one of their, that she related to them because of their notions of bravery and fearlessness. And she says, I think that's how I kind of go about life now. Like, what's there to lose? I have no fear of the future. I've been through the worst and come out the other end and survived it. So I just feel like it's only up from here. Um, So true, Bestie. Which is so true, Bestie. It's interesting, like, that Amanda Bynes, of all people, was able to ruin her career, quote unquote, ruin her career on Twitter um, because of things that she tweeted and said, like, during just a genuine, clear mental health crisis. Yeah. Like, we successfully canceled Amanda Bynes, but we can't cancel people who, like, purposefully say hateful shit. Yeah. I don't really understand In their clear... Uh, I do. It's misogyny. It is. It's well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's always misogyny. It's always misogyny. Um. So now I want to get into the Dan Schneider stuff because I, I, it's just important. Um. So everything that I'm saying about Dan Schneider is alleged. None of it has been proven. None of it has even been taken to court. Um. The biggest, I guess, admission of any kind of guilt is that. Um, a few years ago, Nickelodeon settled with him on a $7 million kind of non-legal settlement where they paid him $7 million to walk away from Nickelodeon, and he did, which I think says a lot. Mm. And this was after uh, he got lightly canceled during the Me Too movement. Um, but every star that has come out against him has not mentioned him. But they've all mentioned a producer at Nickelodeon is being abusive. Jeanette McCurdy mm-hmm. being the one that has come out the hardest against him. A lot of it has been anonymous. And a lot of the stuff that Amanda Bynes has said has not mentioned his name. But um, there is a gossip forum called Crazy Day and Crazy Nights that's run by somebody called Entity Lawyer. Um, he claims to be friends with Amanda. She has been on his podcast. I didn't hear these podcast clips, but I listened to his own TikToks and recollections of her being on his podcast. And he says that he interviewed Amanda a few years ago about Dan Schneider. And he, there's, there's a video that he shows her and that I watched when she's like 12 years old. She's in a hot tub with Dan Schneider. It's like promo for a Nickelodeon video. He's fully clothed. She's wearing like a a one piece, pretty conservative bathing suit, but Mm -hmm. it's still fucking weird. Mm -hmm. And he says something to the effect of Dan Schneider is creepy. And apparently she says, uh, um, yeah, I can tell you a lot about him being fat and creepy. And (laughs) he says to her, you know, like, what, why do you think he's creepy? Like, what was he like? And he says that she, about 30 or 40 times while he was questioning her about Dan Schneider, kept saying, I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. Mm. And then would start talking about him and then would be like, I'm tired. I want to stop. I'm tired. I want to stop. And that she kept like disconnecting, which a big thing that people have said about Amanda Bynes is that there are are TikToks of an interview that she gave that kind of backs up this like 
disconnection theory that it might be like part of her mental illness is that um, she had this interview in like the mid 2000s where she talks about and then goes through each one her five different like personalities that she does like when working and like one of them is like me on set me in an interview me landing a deal me being a bitch so fans leave me alone me doing this and like her body language changes everything changes now that could just be her being an amazing actress because she is or that she like learned to build up some kind of like defense for herself to be different versions of herself in this industry as like a probably very traumatized child actor Mm -hmm. a survival technique yes um so a twitter page called opus cure nickelodeon um, they allege that a former child actress who was on the Amanda show came forward anonymously. It's a whole tweet thread and it is all anonymous. And this former child actress says that Dan Schneider would regularly hold Amanda Bynes from behind like he was her boyfriend on set <sighs> and that her parents would stand there and do nothing to stop it and that Amanda would look uncomfortable. At this point, when the actress actress is talking about this, Amanda was under the age of 14 this actress also originally got a small role on um, Unfabulous in 2004. And the reason that she didn't end up taking the role is because during auditions, she said that girls were required to wear spaghetti strap shirts, open toe shoes, and pigtails. And that allegedly, this was all required by Dan Schneider himself. She also says that when she landed that role in Unfabulous, Dan's assistant wanted her to attend a party alone. And when her mom said no, it was insisted that she went alone to meet Dan and that it was a no shoe party and that the assistant asked if there was a problem with her feet being photographed and that all the girls do it and that all of the parents then are rewarded with going on their own party that's paid for by Nickelodeon. So the mother said no, this girl didn't get the role and the anonymous girl said that she tried to speak out about this years ago but was shut down by Marty Weiss. Now, Marty Weiss was a talent agent at Nickelodeon who was arrested and charged with child molestation charges in 2011. And when he was charged, anonymous sources came out. I read articles about this, came out and said that no one in the industry was shocked when Marty Weiss was arrested and charged with issues related to child molestation. If you aren't shocked when it finally comes to a head, why don't you do anything in the fucking meantime? Yeah. Agreed. Um, so. Also, if you like watch all the Nickelodeon shows that Dan Schneider worked on now, you like can't help. It's kind of like when you find out Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish, and yeah. then you can't like you can't, you can't watch one of his movies without just help seeing see, all you know, the foot stuff. Episodes of iCarly where Epis- they take off their shows for no reason. For no reason, like every single Dan Schneider show, it just has like children's feet involved in like gags and jokes and shit. Yeah. that like don't need to be part of it and are like innocent enough because it's not technically a sexual part of the body. But like once you know about like the behind the scenes obsession he had with feet, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Um, according to this anonymous actress, Amanda was also at this point allegedly binge eating and being forced to take Adderall during this period to get her to work more on set. Like, okay, Judy Garland, But apparently this was happening and people knew about it. And her parents were making her take this Adderall, allegedly. Um, Jeanette McCurdy also had her own abuse allegations surrounding her time at Nickelodeon. She essentially, like, walked away from Nickelodeon. Some say she was fired. Some say she just quit. But she's talked 
a lot of shit about Nickelodeon mm-hmm. um, on podcasts and interviews, specifically about the trauma of working with an emotionally abusive producer at Nickelodeon who she's never named. But it's assumed that it was Dan Schneider. She also made this really like weird and disturbing Vine when Vine was still a thing after she left Nickelodeon, where she is like very disheveled and wearing like smeared lipstick. And it's her being like, hi, hi, Dan. Are you watching this tick? Are you watching this vine? Do you like it? Look what you or like, look at what you did to me, Dan. And then it ends. It's like really weird. And everyone felt at the time that that was her way of calling him out mm-hmm. and exposing him for his abuse. Jeanette um, McCurdy is a badass, by the way. Badass. I, I can't love- wait for her memoir to come out. I'm Jeanette, glad my mother's come on dead. The pod. Come on the pod. Come on the pod. I can't wait to read your book. Yeah. Um, so... Here is some more alleged shit. Amanda allegedly reached out years ago to Entity Lawyer with a letter signed after Dan Schneider walked away from Nickelodeon. It wasn't signed with a signature, but it was, you know, signed in the email Amanda Bynes that was posted to Entity Lawyer's website. And it says, thank you for all of your ongoing support. I don't know how any of these men sleep at night, but if there's one thing I do know, it is that what's done in the dark always comes to light. Now, the importance of that first sentence is that there are letters in that that are capitalized, that are not the first letters of each word, so they shouldn't be capitalized. It's letters that are capitalized, and they spell out, Dan did it. Now, this is very conspiracy theory shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is true, but it's fucking weird. Yeah. And it's there. The email goes on to say, sorry, I thought it was clever. Unfortunately, I will obviously not be making any comment whatsoever for obvious reasons. And unfortunately, I feel as though the only way that legitimate stories can make the headlines regarding blank is if others pub- publicly speak on his behavior. Blank was like a second father to me. But things changed after the second incident. I don't know if I will ever be able to have children or the family of my dreams. People have been picking this scab for years. I just want to be the one who finally rips it off. And it's signed, thank you, Amanda Bynes. Interesting. Which leads to, now we're going back in time, 2003. In 2003, Amanda Bynes is 17 years old. And she files a petition to be emancipated from her parents. Her entire team knows. And they keep it a secret from her parents. Her parents somehow find out. They flip out. And they fire Amanda's entire team. Because they essentially say... You don't work for Amanda. You work for us. But her team came out years later and said, really, we weren't working for her parents. Like, yeah, technically, but not technically. Amanda was a rising star. She was about to be 18. We were working for her. We didn't really owe her parents any honesty. She ends up withdrawing the emancipation petition and begins heavily leaning on Dan Schneider. His wife Lillian in a 2004 article says that Amanda was spending a lot of time with us, but she never really left her parents' home. Some people now wonder, like, did Amanda want to be emancipated? Or because she was leaning so heavily on Dan, did Dan pressure her into it? Because the plan was that Amanda was going to emancipate her parents, but she wasn't going to live on her own. She was going to live with Dan Schneider. So the question is, what was really going on? Um... It also kind of one of the tweets that she like got in trouble about was like accusing her dad of stuff. So, yes, which I was going to get into. Okay, well, so, great. Amanda, right before the conservatorship is filed, let me see if I can find because I did um, put it in here. Hold on. Um, let 
Okay, yeah. So, um, following the end of the temporary conservatorship and a six months in, in rehab, she goes on Twitter and she says, my dad was verbally and physically abusive to me as a child. He called me ugly as a child and then asked me if I wanted to have sex with him. And I did not know how to respond. And I said no. And then I was forced to live with my dad, which was a total nightmare. My dad fondled himself in front of me so many times that I started recording him on my phone in hopes of catching him saying or doing something inappropriate around me so I could get him arrested and put in jail for the rest of his perverted life. My mom knows that my father that my father literally and physically was literally and physically incestuous towards his own daughter. And the fact that she never called the police on him embarrasses me to no end. So today I'm meeting with a lawyer to get a restraining order against my dad. Now her mother came out and said, I'm, I'm heartbroken today for my husband of 47 years. Rick has never abused Amanda or other children physically or sexually. These accusations are absolutely horrible and could not be further from the truth. These allegations stem from Amanda's mental state at the moment. A day later, Amanda recants on Twitter and says, my dad never did any of these things. The microchip in my brain made me say these things, but he's the one that ordered them to microchip me. A month later, Amanda admitted on Twitter to being diagnosed as bipolar and manic depressive. And then from there, she basically goes Twitter dark. And by March 2015, she's not tweeting at all. But a lot of people believe that she was not tweeting about Rick Bynes, her biological father, but that she was tweeting about Dan Schneider. Dan Schneider, yeah. Because she repeatedly referred to him in when she was a child, a teenager, and a young woman as him being a father figure. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, we don't know, but... The theory's out there. The theory is out there. Do, that, do with that what you will. The theory is out there. Everyone, you know, all the articles that I read, all the YouTube videos that I watched, all of the alleged actors that were on the show with Amanda have come out either with their own stories of abuse. You know, Drake Bell was, he hasn't said this himself, but it's believed that he was abused by Dan Schneider. There have been other people who have come out against Dan Schneider, have actually named him. And the other piece of this story is that many people also in all of this research that I did talked about Amanda Bynes parents as being like typical stage parents who did nothing to keep her protected Mm -hmm. and like used her like a workhorse. Mm -hmm. So mm, who knows? Um, But you know, that's like that. That's the story with, with Dan Schneider. Um, And like, I know this was all over the place in a timeline, so I'm not going to like end it like I would a normal episode and be like, and this is what happened. Cause we all know what happened. Amanda Bynes was put in a conservatorship, which like, I don't even think that's the mistake. I, she seems to think the conservatorship was helpful. Mm-hmm. She ended up wanting to be out of it, you know, as of last year. And but she then got, she out, got of out of it. Her successfully, mom, you know, quickly. her mom supported her in filing the petition to end the conservatorship. She said that she is happy that the conservatorship is over because she's looking forward to having a mother daughter relationship with Amanda and not a conservator conservatee relationship with her daughter. Um, you know, she graduated from FITM. She is still engaged to that boyfriend that she had or has had, um, who she met in a treatment center. She's still sober. She's getting her face tattoo removed. She she got it removed for that court date. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is kind of like, you know, I mean, if she regrets it, get it removed for sure. But it is kind of a bummer that like you can't just like have a face tattoo and be like taken seriously. Um, but that particular she, face tattoo didn't look amazing. Yeah. And she has a lot of projects coming out. She said that she's, la- I read an article last week. She said she's launching a, a perfume in a few months. Like she's working with people. She wants to get back to acting. Seems like she's good. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's like, 
the, you know, the mistake here is the way that she was exploited. Um, and not only that, but like the way that the media treated her, mm-hmm. she's been compared a lot to Lindsay Lohan because she was like kind of competing for the roles and vying mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. career that Lindsay had from like good girl to bad girl. Um, and you know, Lindsay had her breakdown, but it's also interesting because it's like when Lindsay's breakdown, when, when Lindsay Lohan's breakdown happened, Twitter wasn't a thing yet. Mm-hmm. So it was like a few days before the news cycle was happening. Mm-hmm. When Amanda Bynes' breakdown was happening. It was all reported in real time. In real time. And like the paparazzi were getting like horrific photos of her like the same day that she would like she was tweeting certain things. Like it's almost like her tweets tipped the paparazzi off that today would be a day that they'd get like her looking crazy. Yeah. And um, and just the way that, you know, it's like the Madonna horrification of these like child stars. It's like you can either be the Madonna and the whore. In this case, it's like you can either be like the goody goody girl, the girl or next like door. the girl next door, or, like the crazy bitch. And that's yeah. exactly what we did to Amanda Bynes. And I say we because like obviously not me and you and necessarily people listening to this podcast, but like as a culture we all stood by and either like fed into it or just let it happen to her. And And we were like, you know, even if we were fans of hers and like felt um, sympathetic to like the crisis she was in, people were like laughing at the tweets she was posting. Posting her mugshot, just like we did with Britney's, you know, photo of her shaving her head or Lindsay, the, the pictures that people still post of Lindsay crying in court. Yeah. You know, it's we we have a field day with destroying these girls and gleefully like participating in and like um like even though it's just a joke and we like and listen, I'm guilty of this. I've definitely I like one of my cover photos on Facebook was all of Lindsay's mugshots like next to yeah. each other. Yeah. But like the more we like kind of continue to use those images and cycle through those images, the more we're reinforcing the idea that it's like funny and entertainment when women are having like genuine mental health crises and not even just mental health crises, but a crisis in general of like not having the proper support systems around. The thing that Amanda, Lindsay and Brittany all have in common is that they had families that were exploiting them. Yeah. And nobody was there to help them for when like push came to shove and they were, you know, maybe all three of them maybe made decisions that we could categorize as mistakes. But the things that like led to those decisions or the things that like um, the circumstances that surrounded those decisions are like way more important and impactful in my opinion than the things that like Amanda tweeted or the things that like Lindsay has been quoted as saying or the umbrella that Britney tried to hit a paparazzi with. And they were just so fucking young. Like Amanda was the oldest out of all of them when this was going down. You know, she was 25 when like the breakdown per Mm -hmm. se started happening, but it's like, that's so young. Mm -hmm. Like we're, you know, you're 26, I'm 27. Like, with that amount of like pressure on you, like the it's just like n- that makes me even sadder that like nobody, ha- it's like they're they weren't women, they were girls. Mm-hmm. Like it's just cuckoo, cuckoo bananas. <laughs> um, and I just I hope she gets back to acting. She said in this article in 2018 that she wants to. She hasn't talked about it since, but like, guys, give Amanda Bynes 
her um, flowers. Her flowers. Put She's her... so, so talented. So talented. Like, truly a comedic genius. And maybe that's not what she wants anymore. Maybe she's going to say fuck off and be like a fashion marketing girl and be behind the scenes. Yeah, and... maybe she's going to pull an Olsen twins. And that's fine, and too. whatever you want to do, Amanda, I support that. Yeah. Like, she is like, I was, I remember being very, 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 very sad when this happened and was happening because she was like such an icon to me in my like little 12 year old mind and as a little kid too um so I've always felt like very close to her in that parasocial way I mean same she was she was absolutely like my favorite actress like yeah her and like Hillary Duff yeah literally yeah it was them for me yeah, yeah. and um, Lindsay too but like yeah. in a little bit of a like I didn't relate to Lindsay in the same way I yeah. like I loved her but um like I was just I was a silly, weird kid. And like Amanda was just the like, she was, she was the girl for those of us who were like funny weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do sources before I forget, but um, one article is break the internet. Amanda, please on papermag.com. Another one is a variety article called young, famous and control. Um, another one is a complex.com article called the timeline of Amanda Bynes breakdown. Um, another one is insider.com timeline of her career. And then the main source would be the YouTube video that I watched. And the YouTuber is called Sloan. It's S-L-O-4-N-E. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very good video, which then led me to um, that other podcaster. But I didn't like go on his website. So, um, but yeah. So those are my sources. Moral of the story. Moral of the story. I feel like we just kind of said it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, justice for Amanda. Moral of the story is obviously there needs to be more um, protection and accountability for um, what happens behind the scenes with child stars. I mean, like in a perfect world, Jeanette McCurdy has said this like multiple times, like in a perfect world, children don't work in the entertainment industry. Yeah. But that's never going to happen. We like having kids in the stories that we tell. And so if that's going to be the case, um, you know, how many fucking kids does this need to happen to? Like it's been happening since child stars were a thing, like as early as like the 20s. Yeah. No, I mean, go look at like the go look at the original Little Rascals from the 1920s and the way all of their lives ended. It's like it's just a tale as old as time. Yeah. Yeah. And like and our fascination with like, where are they now? Like we love reading those articles of like, ooh, that former Brady Bunch star is like fucked up in the head now. Like it's like, why do we love these? Why do we love that? There's what? an obsession with like building people up just to tear them down. And then building them, you know, and then we love to like celebrate and them. And we love their redemption. It's like redemption from the, the, like the, the breakdown cru- that we caused. That we caused. It's sick. I mean, there's, I, I have like a lot of respect for how Britney continues to address the public in a like, I don't trust you motherfuckers. Yeah. Just cause you're rooting for me right now. Doesn't mean that that didn't all just happen to me and yeah. you didn't give a shit. It was entertainment to you. Yeah. And you know, there's like, she, she like shouts out her like free Britney fans yeah. because I think those are people who like the majority of the like true free Britney people never yeah. left her side, no. even during the 2007 stuff. But like, I do appreciate that. Like, um, she has not let up on that. She doesn't like now feel like safe in the public eye. Like it's what 
caused all of the problems in her life. And it's like just because a lot of the problems have been alleviated doesn't mean that that's not still a problem and that it's not still a threat. Yeah. And I hope, you know, I don't know how Amanda feels about the move. It's a much smaller movement and it's not one now, obviously, because the conservatorship is over, but it's it's been there. Um, but I wonder how she feels about her fans, specifically like the free Amanda movement, because that's like one niche dedicated group of people. I've been following them on Twitter for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know. I um. Thank God for <laughs> moral of the story is thank God for conspiracy theorist YouTubers because they <laughs> change. Well, some of them. some of them <laughs> change the course of lots of these people's lives. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, not all of them are quacks. Yeah. Some of them are actually right. And I hope more come, you know, I would like to see more come out about Dan Schneider um, because he's talking about how he's ready to get back to work. Ugh. My God. Well, and, you know, it's uh, this YouTuber Sloan said, like, it's weird that everything that happened to Harvey Weinstein, none of it has happened to Dan Schneider. Mm-hmm. It's like where what it just it seems like a lot of these child actors are afraid. Yeah. To come out. And I don't blame them. But I hope you do come out because you yeah. have people who support you. It'd be really interesting to hear what like Ariana Grande has to say. Yeah. I'm so, I am I wonder why she's never, you know, she's such a star. She's like the one person that like. It's not going to impact her it's career. Not, it wouldn't impact her career. But, you know, I've watched videos of her too, kind of like running away from Dan Schneider on the set of Victorious. Yeah. And her like laughing about it. But at that age, that's like how you deal with being uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Um, she never talks about Nickelodeon. Yeah. No, not at all. It's like very much like, you know, she treats it like it's what kind of got her started and that's it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, but also it's like, you know, you don't need to be an activist because you went through something traumatic. So I don't necessarily. No, totally. I don't think it's like her responsibility yeah, or anything. I don't think that you do. But uh, yeah. It would be in- just interesting to see what kind of impact it would make. I'm sure Jeanette McCurdy, well, I'm not sure, but I mean, this memoir, I'm glad my mom is dead, is dropping soon. I bet she's going to have some piping hot shit to say about Dan Schneider. Yeah. Maybe, it, you know, again, we'll not be using his name because she doesn't want to get sued, but who knows? I'll who definitely be reading knows? it. Yeah, I mean, it's same. Um, I actually saw Amanda Bynes in 2019. Um, I walked by her. She was walking with a friend um, near the Santa Monica Pier in Los Angeles. Um, And it was like she looked really good. She looked like healthy and and good. But like I knew it was her. She had the like I mean, it was just definitely Amanda Bynes. Um, And it was really interesting to like you know I d- did not feel inclined at all to like take out my phone and record her or ask for a photo or anything it was just like really nice to see that she was like able to take a walk with a friend and yeah. be recognizably Amanda Bynes but like no one was taking photos of her she was wearing sunglasses you know she's being a little bit down yeah. low but like um yeah I just remember being like pretty struck by I had not really seen any updates about her or like heard about her for a while and it was just nice to see that she was just like clearly just like having a nice day with a friend out in LA um and it also was like very humanizing to see like to actually see her in real life yeah because I think she's just like, you know, she was an idol of mine as a kid. She was a headline when I was a teenager. She's like this mysterious figure where we don't know. Like, is she OK? Like, what's yeah. she going to do next? 
Um, and you know, just like watching her, like just walk with a friend on the same beach that I was on. I was like, you know, it's none of my business how she's doing and it's none of my business where she is mentally, but I'm glad she's able to like Aries icon. True. Aries bipolar icon. Aries Aquarius Gemini. We would definitely be Oh my God. We would vibe so so hard hard with with Amanda Bynes. I mean, Amanda, come come on the pod. (laughs) We love you. We love you. And I wish I, you know, I understand how you feel about she's the man. But I hope that you one day come around to loving it as much as we do. Yeah. And I hope you know the impact that it had on so many trans people. Yeah. The impact that it had on queer and trans youth. I mean, I know that like now if you watch it, it comes off as like really transphobic and homophobic and sexist. But it's like it's almost as if the transphobia, homophobia and sexism all cancel each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Because like it is it was like the way that it was like kind of representation of like gender divergence yeah. and of like queerness because like Channing Tatum's character like kind of falls in love with her before he knows yeah. that she's a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like bisexual. Kid. And also like um the blonde girl in the movie falls in love with her yeah. as a boy. Uh-huh. And like but we know that she's a girl. And mm-hmm. so there's like gayness there a little bit mm-hmm. too. And it's just, you know, she like binds her chest and that's like just a very like trans masculine like representation moment, even if it's for the sake of like this, like, you know, hijinks that's going on in the movie. Yeah. Um, I just, I fucking love that movie. I do too. It's and iconic. I, <laughs> I forgive it for its, um, slight gender essentialism at the end where they prove their genders by exposing their underage genitalia. <laughs> I do too. I'm going to have to watch the movie tonight that she should have gotten an Oscar for, which is what a girl wants. Ugh. Um, give Amanda Bynes her flowers. Give her her flowers. Um, and give us your flowers uh, yes. in the form of money on our Patreon. Yes, please subscribe to our Patreon. And if you don't want to, support us on Anchor instead. Support us on Anchor instead. Just or do both. Tell your friends. Tell your rich friends to send us money. Um, <laughs> yes. We work hard and we'd love it. Also, our Patreon episodes are fun. This they week fun. we talk about, um, you know love life updates we talk about our relationship with drugs yes. we talk about um what we would save in a fire yes um and it's a grand old time it is leave us a review leave us a review write in your mistakes write in your mistakes at best mistakes pod at gmail.com gmail. and uh test, test your, your holes. holes test, test your, your drugs, drugs. And kiss your friends on the mouth. And fuck Dan Schneider.